Aloha and welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out of this world conversations with extraordinary people. And today I have on Laura Starr, and she's got some really fun stories I think she's going to be sharing with us. The first, just a couple of announcements. If you haven't grabbed my free 20-minute meditative journey to meet your galactic family and guides, make sure you go to my website, mysticmanta.com or drlisajthompson.com and grab that meditation. I would love to hear your feedback on who comes to you during that. Also, I have my galactic retreat. Still, I have a few spots available, and that is September 14th to the 17th here on the Big Island in Hawaii, um, specifically in Waikoloa Village. And I have a couple of different options for that. And it's going to be an amazing experiential um, reality. Let's call that connection. And then if you are visiting the Big Island, um, definitely come see me on one of my Big Island UFO tours. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. Okay, Thank so you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to dive into our conversation. But first... For people who don't know who you are, I want to um, read your bio. So Laura Starr has been the admin for the Dolores Cannon Facebook page for over four years now, but she didn't start there. Laura spent over 14 years abroad traveling to over 60 countries, six zero, not 16, 60. She volunteered <laughs> for archeological studies, worked with animals, volunteered in many impoverished communities, and has worked as an apprentice under many great teachers. For years, Laura sustained her worldly travels through writing. She wrote for the Mind Unleashed, Spirit Science, and many other major online publishers with millions of followers. The articles she's written have been read by hundreds of millions of people all over the world. Back in February of 2012, Laura had an out-of-body experience. She was pulled out of body by two of her soul guides. When they... What they told her led her to find Dolores Cannon's work the very next day. Everything her guides had said matched perfectly to Dolores's teachings. Because of this, Laura has spent the past 11 years immersing herself in Dolores's life work. And Julia Cannon, which is Dolores's daughter, was so impressed with Laura's broad range of knowledge and skill of writing that she hired her to run the Dolores Cannon Facebook page, and she has done so ever since. Wow. <laughs> so great to have you. And I just, I can't wait to hear some of these stories. Um, before we get into that though, first, I would love for you to share with our audience um, kind of how you grew up. Was it a religious household, spiritual household, something different to get you into this, the experience of the out-of-body meeting soul guides and such? Well, my father was a psychiatrist. Um, he was very much an open-minded man, and he took me to a lot of different uh, denominational churches. We weren't really um, set to one type of denomination, but we just kind of traveled around, and he wanted me to meet people and to get to know churches and religion, and he took me to temples in Moss, too, you know, occasionally. We would just try to get to know everybody that way. Okay, that's beautiful. So... Then when did you start having um, your own personal spiritual experiences? Um, I saw a ghost when I was in my uh, younger years. I think I was about maybe 10 or 11 when I saw my first ghost. Um, there was an old woman that was uh, occupying the house that we lived in. Um, and I saw her one night and it really scared me. <laughs> so it made me want to start doing more research into the ghosts and things. and. I started messing around with the Ouija boards because people don't know any better. You know, you immediately want to communicate and that's the only way you can think of doing so. And I invited more things into my house this way. <laughs> and it was, it was a little bit of a mess for a bit there having uh, those things in my house. So that's kind of what opened my mind to other possibilities of what's out there from an early age. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting. So I, if you could just share a little more about, um, Ouija boards, because I know some people probably listening or watching have dabbled in that. And I have my own ideas about, you know, that experience, but I would love to know. So I know you wanted to connect, like what kinds of things were coming in and how did you end up getting rid of them? <laughs> or or um, letting them 
<laughs> well, when you're a teenager and you're messing around with a Ouija board, it's it's not easy to um, to know what to do to do the right thing. I should have just gotten a smudge stick with some sage and smoked out the house, but I didn't. And um, my parents, they didn't know what to do with it either. So we actually ended up moving. I don't know. <laughs> You know, this is one of those things when you're messing around with the other side, people don't realize that with the Ouija boards, you end up basically opening a portal to the fourth dimension. And um, anything can come through that portal. Anything. It can be deceased loved ones. It can be a ghost. It could be even demons. You, you really never know. It's it's all down to what wants to answer, really. Yeah. Well, so what if you could share, um, if you remember what kinds of things were happening in the house that your parents were finally like, oh, we're out of here. Well, the funny thing is, is I only saw the old lady. Um, I didn't know there was anything else in there. My friend had the Ouija board and she brought it over. And when she and I were using it, uh, we felt another presence come in. I mean, it was, it sent chills down our spine. The room got ice cold. I mean, all the, the typical things happened. And, that's when things started getting weird around the house. I don't know if it was a poltergeist because Dolores did talk about poltergeists, how they are real. They're basically just entities that have focused their attention to such a degree that they can move physical objects. And this, whatever it was, could definitely move things. It would open doors and cupboards and throw things around. And yeah, it was, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. Okay. <laughs> so. It sounds like a different entity than the old lady that you saw, which probably oh. was... This is what I mean, yeah. Ouija boards and seances are just, they're very risky. If you know what you're doing and you've spent years, you know how to set certain protections in place, then it's a, it's a lot smarter to do it that way than if you're just a curious teenager, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then, um, what, how old were you when you had that out-of-body experience? I guess let's jump That happened that. in my 20s, my early 20s. Yeah, it okay. happened, um, well, not early 20s, I was about 25, actually, so I um, I was very much involved in the dark side of politics, I just talked about politics all the time, you know, shadow government type stuff, 9-11, that was my main focus, and then um, I had the out-of-body experience, and they basically told me, you're not t focusing on the right things, you're, you're only focusing on negativity, you're not going to change the world that way, and they basically explained that... Um, if I don't shift my focus, then I'm being counterproductive. So, okay, and that I think that is such an important message that needs to be out there in our community right now because there yeah. are, I mean, there are highly spiritual people that really are focused on that fear-based, polarized negativity, the shadow side. But we, as you know, I know some of the stuff that you're writing about through Dolores's page and on your own page, like really all timelines are existing simultaneously, right? So we can yeah. focus the light side, the the uplifting, loving side of things. And what we focus so on- law of attraction. You know, if you focus on fear and negativity and all the strife in the world, then that's all you're gonna create more of, so. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, because I know even some other channelers and, and things, they are channeling um, entities and ETs that are in the lower kind of vibrational field and want to keep feeding that fear. But then there are, of course, yeah. others channeling much higher dimensional beings. And so um, I don't really listen to anything unless it's positive. Yeah, I do okay. have some curiosity. I like to stay informed, but at the same time, it's different, you know, than to be informed than to be afraid and, and manifesting things. Okay, so then um, when your guides took you out of your body and shared that like, okay, don't focus on the dark shadow government <laughs> and all the conspiracy theories. How did your life transform after that? What, how you started reading Dolores's books or you found her work. And so then what, how did your life change? I dropped all the negativity. I haven't been posting about any of that stuff anymore. Really. I, I, I occasionally mention stuff, you know, on, on holidays like September 11th, but other than that, I don't really bring it up anymore try and focus on manifesting a, a positive future rather than focusing on our broken past, you know? Mm -hmm. And how does that, what does that look like in your life, your daily life? Like, have you created an environment where the people that are in your life are loving and, and compassionate or is there, do you still have some of that polarized <laughs> reality? 
being well, human. I live out in the middle of nowhere. There's not many people <laughs> that, I, that I speak to on a daily basis. So most of my interaction is over the internet. And people that are drawn to me are people that are either just figuring out their spirituality, they're trying to learn as much as they possibly can, or people that have been through extreme trauma and they're trying to heal. Those are the two main people that I communicate with the most because people that want answers, that ask questions, that's my favorite. I love to answer questions. I'm happy to... I have so much knowledge rattling around in here that I'm happy to share with others, and, and I love doing that. So people that come to me with questions is my favorite part of it. But there's also a lot of um, unhealed, angry, or sad, or upset people that come out of the woodwork, too, that want answers or are looking for something. They don't even know what they're looking for, but they come to Dolores' page looking for it very often. Okay, which, yeah, and that's interesting because I have read, um, I, I can't say I've read every single one of her books, but I have read a good majority of them, especially if they have anything to do with extraterrestrials or I've read the entire Convoluted Universe series, you know. All, all of, I have the Convoluted Universe series. It's so great. The only ones I really struggled with was the Nostradamus series. I, I didn't read book two and three, I must admit, because book one, it, it broke my brain a little bit. <laughs> What's interesting is that, yeah, I haven't read those and I haven't read the Jesus and the Essenes. Um, but what, what I love is that all of the information that I learned growing up in my spiritual school, that was a channeled kind of school, um, really fits in perfectly with all of the client sessions that Dolores shares in her books. And then I do past life regression work myself and all of the clients that I have and the information, it just all fits together so beautifully. And so um, carrying on that work of Dolores now that she's passed, it's, I mean, I just, I, I love seeing your responses to people um, because you are quite thoughtful, I think, in how Thank you're you. responding. And, I've had a lot um, of practice getting to this point. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. And so I guess for you, um, diving into Dolores's work and, you know, again, focusing more on whatever the positive side of things is, how has it changed the way that you think about life and death for yourself? It's changed everything. Absolutely everything. I mean, I knew that ghosts existed from an early age, but I didn't know what they were. I didn't know. I mean, I could have believed that they were an energetic imprint. You know, I, I didn't have any good explanation until I found Dolores. And then when I found her books, everything just came together like a, like a puzzle. And it made everything make sense. And because of that, it's really helped me to grasp other things that kind of factor into her main subject of the afterlife, uh, higher consciousness and other dimensions and ETs and all kinds of stuff fits into that. So it really is just like a, it branches out. It's, it's very uh, exponential growth, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, so I guess for the audience who isn't familiar with her work um, as, as deeply, or maybe they haven't even heard of her, um, can you share what her ideas or what her, her discoveries will say? Because everything in her work is just discovering what is there, that hidden knowledge. And so what what is the idea of ghosts? Because um, my husband, he had a ghost living in his house in Tacoma, Washington with when he was living there. And so um, this comes up sometimes on my UFO tours. People are like, okay, are ghosts real? Because we're talking about ETs. I'm like, yeah, ghosts are real. But I would love for you to share what your experience and knowledge on that is. A ghost is the same thing as we are right now. It's just they don't have their body anymore. That's exactly what happens to you is when you lose your body, you are just, you're the same person. Everything about you is the same except you don't have your physical body. You will appear to be the same. You'll have the same attitude, the same confusion, even whatever you had in death, you will still continue to have in the afterlife until you enter that white light that Dolores mentions, the one that... Uh, it can appear in a tunnel, it can appear in a doorway, it can even appear in a vehicle. But once you enter that light, it takes you from the lower astral, which is where ghosts and lower vibrational beings reside. And it takes you to the upper 4D astral, which is basically where the healing place is, where the 
afterlife communities are, where the schools are, where the planning stages are, where the life review takes place. All of these things happen in the upper astral, not in the lower astral where all these beings normally would reside like ghosts. Okay, so with the with the ghost synergy um, in terms of s sticking around, so I guess, you know, when people are people that are trying to help ghosts transition into that light, I mean, I guess that's really what they're doing. They're trying to get them unstuck, right? Yeah. And move them forward, I guess, or move the, shift them <laughs> in their reality. It's hard. I know when we're talking about this kind of stuff, linear time when you get into the higher dimensions doesn't even exist, which a lot yeah. of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around that, that there really is no past or future. But um, I guess it's just movement in a direction. <laughs> well, the cool thing is when we've what we've learned from this hypnosis is that if we weren't able to tap into um, the past or the future, we wouldn't be able to talk to people in their past lives. Because we are tapping into that person who's still currently living in another reality. Right. So right. <laughs> it's amazing to know that you can, you know, speak to somebody that lived 4,000 years ago or 4,000 years in the future. It makes no difference. Right. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is that I guess we do have perception of linear time from our Earth perspective. But in the quantum realm, really, those, because yeah. those timelines are stacked, they're parallel that again it's it may seem like the past from this perspective but it really it's that person's present <laughs> so everything well, is as, as, um, Bashar would explain many times he said that if you weren't shifting from parallel reality to parallel reality every minute every instant from every single day you'd be frozen in time it's actually the shifting from reality to reality that gives us the movement of time passing mm -hmm. that's a beautiful way to explain it yes so have you had your own sessions done on you um, for the QHHT or any kind of other hypnosis work where you have discovered other lives that you personally have, have participated in? Um, I was, uh, as you see this painting behind me, that, that is the Oracle of Delphi. That is one of my past lives. I was an Oracle in Delphi once. That's one of the ones I know about. Okay, so that's really interesting because I have a very strong connection to that as well. And I know people, <laughs> yes, and um, we're, yeah, I, um, and in fact, I lived in a little neighborhood called Delphi in Olympia, Washington, um, before I moved <laughs> here to Hawaii. Yes. What a coincidence. <laughs> So I know that, you know, we, we come together for different reasons. Sometimes it's just random. Like, you know, I just happen to know your work from doing the Dolores Cannon page. And we have a few, I think, mutual friends on Facebook that are QHHT people. And so anyway, mm -hmm. it's interesting how people come together that might it have really is. other experience. <laughs> And I love the practitioner community. It's such a tight-knit community. You know, everybody's showing such support and love to each other and helping each other through just everything we're all going through is wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so Oracle of Delphi, any other notable ones that you've... Um, I was even as well. <laughs> Say that again, you were a what? I was a pirate as well. I had a past life as a pirate. And all of these things are making sense. It's funny, the more you get to know your past lives, the more you can kind of see a little bit of your past personalities in there. Um, you know, me answering questions all day long with like the Oracle, <laughs> you know, I'm still doing that. And so, you know, when it comes to the pirate thing, I was very much uh, just a rebel. And I still kind of have that attitude when it comes to just yeah. society in general. Yeah, <laughs> the way it's run. Okay. It doesn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I guess out of all of the body of work that Dolores has produced, um, are there particular topics that you are most drawn to that you love, like helping answer questions about? Or is it just all? My favorite is definitely astral projection. That's why I, I have my... Um, 
page that I run, Astral Exploration with Lara Starr, and I teach that class every two weeks about astral projection because it's really important. It's one of, I feel it's probably the best way to expand your consciousness in a rapid form because you can speak to your soul guides, you can speak to your deceased loved ones, you can speak to your higher self, you can go to the healing place, you can visit the Akashic Records. I mean, your access to information is limitless when you astral project, which is why it's my favorite. Okay, well, so for people who aren't as familiar with astral projection, can you give a little Cliff Notes version sure. of what it is and maybe just, I mean, and do you teach classes in that or do yeah. you just write? Yeah, every two weeks or so I teach a, a Zoom class on astral projection. And okay. I call it astral projection and protection because I not only do I teach astral projection and how to get out of body, I also teach um, what to experience when you over into the fourth dimension and also how to protect yourself from entities, not just while you're projecting, but while you're walking around because they're always around you. Yeah. Um, the difference between dreaming, a lot of people know about dreaming and experiencing dreams and stuff, but it's actually a real place that you visit when you're, when you're dreaming. Um, you leave your body every single night. It's just that your subconscious controls the experience so you don't remember most of what you experience when you're out of body that way because like i said it's your subconscious and also it, it depends on your vibration if you have a low vibration for your body and you travel into the higher realms you're not going to bring that information back with you which just doesn't fit into a lower vibrational space right. so that's why a lot of people they don't even remember their dreams um, vivid dreaming is the halfway point between astral projecting and dreaming it's when you are dreaming but you Realize that you're dreaming and you can take control of the dream while you're out of body. This is what a lot of flying dreams are. And a lot of times this is what happens when people feel themselves falling. If you've ever felt yourself falling when you're just about to go back to sleep or just when you wake yourself up abruptly, that's when you can literally feel yourself going back into body. Okay. And is that also known as lucid dreaming? Because that's yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Lucid dreaming, vivid dreaming is the same thing. Correct. And then, um, okay, so then astral projection, then how is that, I guess? That is when you consciously choose to leave your body while, you're, while your mind is awake and your body is asleep. So you basically train your body to go completely relaxed and into a, a sleep state while your mind stays completely conscious. And that is when you can remember the entire experience as if it was a real experience, like you're just walking down the road and you can remember everything. Um, with, with astral projection as well, you are able to teleport your consciousness anywhere. You can visit friends. You can see what your family are up to and then call them when you wake up and be like, oh, I just saw you out in the garden. And they're like, how did you do that? You can see everything that's around you um, pretty much anywhere. You just think of a place and you go there. So with astral projection, it's, it's, it does take practice and it does take a lot of focus. Um, but once you get to that point that you can control the entire experience, like I said, there's nothing you can't really do with it. You can do anything. Okay. So let's, because um, this is something that I get, I used to practice and I haven't practiced for a long time. So you're right. It does, you know, take some practice. And so I love that you're teaching classes about that. And um, did you have I've someone? Eight successful students. I've only been teaching a month, and I've had eight students already had success. So I'm very excited. Okay. Yay! Well, yeah. perfect. Well, um, so did you have someone teach you specifically the methods of how to do this, or was it something you just figured out on your own after that first out of body? Well, they basically explained to me that I could do it anytime I want, but next time I do it, I'm going to need help. They said, it, they, they helped me the first time. They said, you're going to have to do it on your own next time. And it took me 32 days of solid practice before I was able to get myself out of body again. Um, and I did study a bit with uh, people like Robert Monroe uh, and William Bullman. Those are my two gurus that taught me basically everything I know. I, I've been reading their books and studying their lectures for years. Okay, perfect. Well, so let's talk about um, that, what you mentioned before, more of that protection of, you know, walking around in this world, but then also if you're out there traveling in the, in the ethers, um, <laughs> why someone might want to or need to protect themselves and what, what is out there that might be coming at them. Well, you remember how I mentioned those portals that you can create with Ouija boards and seances? 
we create yeah. those portals all the time in, in public spaces and we don't know it. Um, fear creates those portals and anger and uh, substance abuse. So there can be a, a national portal in a bar. They can be in hospitals. They can be even just at intersections. Just the fear of crossing the road can be enough of creating a portal. So if you're walking through that intersection and there's something waiting to attach to somebody who's walking through there, you could pick it up. It will energetically bond to you if you are in a lower vibration. If it matches your vibration, that being will basically follow you home. So if you're having a really tough day and you're angry or upset about something or you're really depressed and you happen to cross one of those portals and you do not have any protection on you, they will follow you home, unfortunately. That's just what they do. They're basically like mosquitoes. Okay. <laughs> well, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a really good point because that's something that my Arcturians are always channeling through me in terms of, whatever vibration you are resonating at is what you are attracting. And so if you are in a, a joy of love, of passion, then that's too high of a vibration for these really fear-based. Natural deterrent to be in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're human and we have our, you know, emotions and things that happen, but, but if we're conscious about mm what is going on, then we have the ability maybe to flip it a little faster than someone who Definitely. is just in victimhood, <laughs> right? Right. And Dolores, this is why Dolores was such a um, supporter of the white light healing technique, you know what I mean, where you promote, where you surround yourself in a bubble of white light, um, because it really does work. It, it basically creates like a, an invisibility shield against these beings. Yeah. Well, and, okay, so then with, with the astral traveling, so then it would be the same, that if your energy, your spirit is out there, um, now, is it the same in terms of you're going to have attachments if you're maybe vibrating? Well, there's, while you're astral projecting, there's nothing for them to physically attach to. They have to attach to something physical. So okay. when you're walking by, they'll attach to you, your body, your, your purse, whatever they want. Um, yeah. But if you're in the astral realm, there's nothing physical. You're just energy. So they cannot attach to you. Um, so if you ever see anything that disturbs, you know, makes you uncomfortable, you just need to teleport. And you can think of another place or think of your body and you immediately go right back into it and they won't follow you. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, and again, I think that's a really good point because we all have free will. We all have choice, right? And what we're experiencing. And so if we are experiencing something that is a little, we don't like it. We have every choice to get ourselves out of there or tell them no or whatever it might be. You have to be firm with them. They, you know, fear is what attracts them. They, they siphon fear energy. And even if you're not in your physical body, they will still try and mess with you and make you afraid. So it is a good idea to only astral project or practice when you're in a high vibration, when you're in a good mood and you're feeling good. Um, because you can attract these things to you even in the astral if you're in a low vibration. You can still, they can still read your energy even if they can't attach to you. Got it. Can't, do they have the ability, and you may or may not know this, to come back through the whatever portal to then attach to the physical body if you're out astrally yeah. traveling? Um, they have to know where your physical body is in order okay. to get to you. And if you're just traveling around, they don't know where you are. So no, they can't. Okay. Okay. So this is um, one of the reasons why astral projection is much safer than messing with anything while you're in your physical body than if you were to do seances or Ouija boards, it's much, much safer to do it astral projection wise for this reason. That way they're not going to be as easy to follow you around and stuff. And like I said, you also have to be forceful with them because any entity, even if it follows you home and you sense that something is in your home, you just need to demand it to leave. Say, this is my space. You are not welcome here. You need to leave now. You need to be extremely forceful with them. Even angry is better than afraid because that, that is energy that they can't really use. They can only use fear energy. So if you're giving them fear energy, it keeps them around. But if you're being strong and assertive, it, they're not interested. Okay, so, and that's a really interesting thing, and I definitely don't want to get political or anything. However, the last few years, our society, well, in the world, has been steeped in fear, right? We have just... Everywhere fear. you go, yeah. And so, 
in your experience, have you seen an uptick in things coming from the fourth dimension or attaching more so with this fear or not, or maybe, maybe. Actually, I've noticed the astral is getting lighter. There's less entities now I've noticed, um, or at least from what I've seen over in the last 11 years that I've been astral projecting. Um, it's been a couple months since I've been practicing. I've been so busy. It takes a lot of focus and practice every day to do it. But um, honestly, the last few times I've been in there, I've seen mostly positive beings more than negative, whereas in the beginning, it was more the opposite. Okay. So I do feel like there has been a shift even in the astral dimension. Okay. Well, that's the beautiful thing because we, you know, we hear people and in Dolores' books as well talking about, okay, we're shifting to that fifth dimensional reality. There's going to be a split where some people are going to stay in 3D, others are shifting to 5D. And so perhaps the reality that you are astral traveling in is that shifting to that 5D more so than staying in the 3D. What do you, I don't know. One of the most common questions is when are we going to have this shift, you know? And it's like you need to understand everybody is in their own individual timeline. Yeah. So it's down to the individual when that shift is going to happen in their timeline. Yeah. And it helps when since we're co-creating together and there's lots of people all believing the same things, this is how you manifest. So that's why the news is always pushing fear and trying to push these negative prophecies. All prophecies are self-fulfilling. You make people believe that they're going to happen and they will manifest easier that way. So this is why they are always trying to scare us and to push fear on us. And it, it's really to help them manifest their desires. Yeah. This is another reason why I don't talk about negative stuff. Okay. Well, and I think um, I, I read or heard somewhere recently that some of the information that was going back to the Nostradamus books of Dolores, that some of those prophecies or predictions have not come true. And so is that because there was a timeline shift or perhaps inaccurate information or, I mean, it could be in multiple things, but what's your interpretation of that? People love to bring up the Nostradamus books because of the Antichrist references in it. Um, and people have asked me many times, when is this Antichrist coming? When is, <laughs> when is this going to occur? And this is why I always say, um, you know, if you want to manifest something, if we're going to focus on something, why would you want to focus on something negative? Right. Why would you want to manifest to put all that energy into manifesting something we don't want? So, again, whenever people bring up Nostradamus, it's always because of negative prophecies. And that's one of the reasons why I think that book and I just didn't mesh <laughs> too well. is because I just try to stay away. All the dogma from the Vatican has caused so much confusion and misinformation out there that it really, anytime you even use the word antichrist, it's got so much loaded connotations that people, they run with it and they don't even know what they're running with. Right. <laughs> Oh, I get it. Because I remember um, being a teenager in the 1980s, dating myself here, but so a teenager in the 1980s. And I remember on one of the major TV networks, they had a show about Nostradamus and his predictions and talking about, you know, the earthquake in San Francisco and the fall of the Twin Towers, which hadn't happened yet. And then um, but then, yes, the Antichrist, and they were trying to speculate, well, is it Saddam Hussein or is it this other, you know, Middle East leader? And I just remember, and in the spiritual school that I was a part of, it had some beautiful messages, but it also had a lot of fear that was yeah. being propagated. And so I, I just, I was watching this like, God, I, I don't like this energy. I don't want to live that way. And, um, so then when I went away to college, then, you know, I was away from my mother who my mom was buying into all the fear-based stuff, of course, like the world is going to end and all the, all this that we were If you have a TV, it's easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And so all, all of this stuff, you know, now 35 years later, some of the stuff is starting to happen that was being predicted by my spiritual teacher. However, um, if I had lived in fear for the last 35 years, my life would be total crap. And instead, 
because I have chosen <laughs> to like live my life. And if I die tomorrow, then okay, whatever. I have another life. <laughs> I'm going to live. It's not the end. And it, that, that was the end of my time here. Um, but so because I have chosen to live and not stay stuck in fear, I've had multiple lifetimes in this one life and been able to create a beautiful life that I love in a place that I want to be, <laughs> even though for, for the fear-based people, it doesn't make sense being on a tiny rock in the middle of the ocean. But, you know, I feel safer here than I do like on the mainland. <laughs> oh, I know. I honestly, there's just so many places here that are falling apart right now here. And we're trying to make everything better. And it's hard when it feels like everything's falling apart more and more. So we just got to take it in stride, I guess, especially being here. I came back to the States two months before COVID hit. Okay. And I, I wasn't planning on it. The universe just kind of dragged me back here. It's a long story, but just everything has its perfect timing. It does. If you pay attention. Yeah. So where were you before COVID? I spent seven years in South Africa. Okay. And so what kind of work were you doing there? Um, I started working for Michael Tellinger. I was doing um, his stuff, uh, Giant Footprints and the Stone Circles and all that stuff up there in uh, Vatafobuofen, which is outside of Mpumalanga. And it's a beautiful area. It's completely full of ancient ruins that nobody has bothered to put any money or anything in. Who knows what's under what's underground? We only see what's above ground, and we've found amazing things there. So... It's unfortunate that the archaeological community hasn't put more time and effort into finding out where they came from and who built them. Okay, well, and that's that. Let's segue into that because I didn't even know <laughs> there because um, when this, when this is coming out, um, we are pre-recording. I'll just let my audience know. Normally, I go live, but when by the time this comes out, I will be in Peru looking at wonderful. And artifacts. So I love. Uh, Where are you going? Um, we're going. We're going to be in Cusco and Machu Picchu, Lake Titicaca, all of those areas. Machu Picchu is older than Atlantis. It okay. was built by the same people. Yeah, we know all about Machu Picchu. It's one of the most interesting places. I've been there as well. It's a magical place. Okay. Well, so I would love for you because I haven't been there yet and I don't know how much of the, um, you know, ancient alien version <laughs> I'll get on the tour, but I would love for you to share what you know about Machu Picchu and Atlantis and any, any of that kind of information. Well, there are two sources that I use for basically everything. I have a real um, issue with, with trusting <laughs> new sources. So these, Two sources that I know beyond all doubt are legit are Dolores Cannon, and um, and there is another group that I follow very closely called Cosmic Agency. Okay. Um, they are they're basically Pleiadians who speak through a woman named Gosha, and oh. the Pleiadians were the ones that pulled me out of body. Uh, in my past life, I was a Pleiadian, okay. so they were the soul guides that pulled me out. And when I learned, that's how I found Pleiadians the next day. Is that I just googled what i heard in my my astral projection and uh long story short i found out that these are the people that i worked with beforehand so everything that i hear from them is the same as what i was told during my astral projection experience pretty much spot on and it matches dolores's content perfectly and they're the ones that talk about machu picchu and the history of that region and it's it's mind-blowing stuff i mean the um the things that they've discussed about Machu Picchu and the, and the reptilians that built it um, for their people. And there's a whole lot of different um, communities that they built all over the world, but that was one of the oldest and the largest. Okay. So I am familiar with what you're talking about with Gosha because there's a show on Gaia that is. Yes. yes. Galactic messages. Brilliant yeah. show. Yeah. That work. And, um, and, most of the information that I've heard through that, I, I definitely resonate with as well. There was, there's one thing I'm just, I'm going to just share that um, there's one channeling that they, they were saying that there absolutely are no colonies or civilizations in Jupiter on Jupiter moons. However, <laughs> when I, when that happened and that could be true, like contemporarily, 
But my first experience of being taken on a craft when I was 15, I was actually taken to Io, one of Jupiter's moons, and we were inside of Io. And it's not a, a group that is part of the Galactic Federation. They're not really known by really anyone. And I, I only found that out later because I'm like, why? Probably a good thing for them <laughs> to not be known. Well, and so when when I heard that information from the Pleiadians that, oh, no, there's no one there. And I'm like, well, there was at least back in the 80s, you know, when I was taken there. And maybe there isn't or maybe they're just not known. So but other uh, the other information <laughs> stuff like for example people come to me on Dolores Cannon they said I love the cosmic agency stuff but she says that Jesus wasn't a real person and there's this is one of the things that I use for example because Jesus wasn't a real person Yeshua was right so when you get the, it can be very confusing to uncover the right information it's all depends on the context and how you're asking and what information you're asking about and it can all be kind of confusing that way. And that's why I feel like sometimes some things may not match perfectly, but if you look at it from a new perspective, it does. Okay. Yep. And, and that's something that, again, so the, the spiritual school that I went to is channeled from an ascended master. And um, yes. And so we were always, whenever the name Jesus would come up, it's Yeshua ben Joseph. So yes, I, yes. so yeah. <laughs> so, so I totally but get that. If Jesus was a real person, they'll say no, because Jesus was not a real person. You know, there yeah. was no uh, immaculate conception. There was no, there's a lot of stuff that they made up that was just for the story to make it more believable. And so it's hard to, to weigh through the dogma and the truth, which is why I love Dolores's book so much. Jesus and the Essenes is a brilliant book really is. And the fact that Jesus's real name is Joshua it always kind of makes me giggle. <laughs> Jesus is Josh, you know, but it is. And people don't realize that there's so much truth that's just hidden behind closed doors that you can't really access unless you know the right places. And Dolores is one of those wonderful little secrets that are kept that if you're paying attention, you can really get to learn the, the deep, dark secrets of the entire universe in our history. Yeah. Well, and so I'm, you know, in all of the work that she's done, the thousands of clients that she's had, I, and I'm trying to think of reading any of the books, if there's been any discrepancy in people coming up with the same kind of life or situation, like, like the, a Jesus or Yeshua kind of scenario where, um, different people are perceiving it differently. And so that therefore the stories are different in those hypnosis sessions. Do you know anything? Is, is that, is that something that's come up at all or is it all really consistent? The thing is with Mandela effects, with the different timelines, with so much different stuff, my, for example, I, um, when I spoke with my soul guides, they told me about one of my past lives and how I was basically um, murdered for speaking up during the Kennedy administration. This is why they warned me to keep my mouth shut in this lifetime. They said, it's gonna, history's gonna repeat itself. <laughs> if you keep blabbing about stuff, it's really, you shouldn't be talking about. And so it's a long story, but I tried to find, they told me my name, they told me where I lived, they told me everything. So I tried to find this past life of mine. And I got very frustrated when I couldn't find this person because I was like, I, I have all this information on this person. So I was really frustrated. It made me doubt the whole experience that I had during my astral projection because I'm like, I may have learned about Pleiadians, but maybe I heard that on the internet somewhere and I just, you know, I didn't remember and it came up in the dream. But funnily enough, I went and had my um, QHHT session not too long later, and I asked about um, the past life and why I can't find it, and my higher self laughed and said, it was a different timeline. You're not going to find evidence in this timeline of that past life. Okay. So we don't realize we're constantly shifting through alternate realities and timelines, and, and this 9-11 timeline is actually a rather rare timeline. This is one of the things that helped me heal with 9-11 is that I didn't it was a very painful experience for me. I was a first responder and a firefighter, and I had close friends that were involved, and I was a whistleblower, and it's a long story, but that's how I got involved in the shadow side of politics. And so when I found out about 9-11 being a rare timeline, that it's actually one of those 
it, it hasn't happened in many other timelines. And for that, it makes it, it's almost like a sacrifice that may end up being a good thing later on. And when okay. I found that out, it, it's, it's just something that it's a long story, but basically what one person said in the session on the subject was that if those people hadn't died the way they did, that other people wouldn't have woken up about the war on terror and other things. And there's, it may be very slow changing, but there are a lot of people who are more awake and aware in government that were not before that were not doing anything because it was all happening overseas. We were going over and causing all these problems overseas, but nothing was happening really at home. So when they realized in, in this deep government that there's horrible things that they're willing to do to their own people, that's when these people started getting more involved in doing things. And there's a lot, according to the Pleiadians anyway, there's a lot of uh, people doing good things in government behind the scenes that are slowly pushing these very negative controllers out, exposing them. Okay. So. Well, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And, and, one of the things that I understand, definitely for myself, like people can have whatever experience they want to have. But for myself, um, when I look at things like 9-11, when I look at things like COVID, for me in my life, um, even though there was an immediate kind of like fear, but fear response that I had just of the physical. However, um, it allowed me to make huge leaps of faith and transformation in my reality. Yeah. And so it was a mechanism of evolution for me. And because when 9-11 happened, I was a, a brand new professor in Springfield, Ohio at Wittenberg University. And I remember I had just started teaching like the week before and my students, I went to class and they're like, did you hear what happened? I'm like, no, but I, I felt so alone and isolated there because I didn't have any friends or family yet because I just moved there. And my boyfriend at the time, who was long distance, he broke up with me that night. And I was like, so then I felt even more alone <laughs> because we had these future plans and all that. Turns out it was a good thing because I would have been maybe wife four of six or seven that he's had. <laughs> so, but, I mean, for a reason. Yeah, so, so what's interesting is that that year I was really questioning, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I, here I'm in academia, I'm miserable because number one, I'm living in Ohio where I don't want to live. There's no one like me um, in terms of understanding of spirituality or, you know, I just felt so alone. And so I made the decision to, okay, I don't, this doesn't need to define me. I get to choose where I live and choose what I do. And so I, you know, at the end of the school year, I moved back to Washington state which completely changed the trajectory of my career because I basically left academia. And then, um, but then with COVID, you know, I'm living in Olympia, Washington and, you know, I had a nice comfortable life there, but nothing exciting, you know, was going on. And then we're in the middle of COVID and everything went virtual and we get mm. to move to Hawaii in the middle of COVID. So, you know, and, and now I've been here two and a half years and it's like, I feel like, again, like I'm living my best life, my dream, and that those things wouldn't have happened if those major world events didn't actually happen, probably. I love to explain it. People always ask me about the future. They say, well, if the past and the future is all simultaneous, that means it's already happened. It means the future's set in stone. And one of my favorite explanations about this is kind of like one of those old choose your own adventure books. You remember yeah. back in the day, you remember what you're like, Oh, if you want this decision, go to this page. If you want to make this decision, go to this page. That's pretty much what we're playing right now. It's just yeah. a real world version of it. You are always, the future may be set in stone, but you get to decide which version of the future you want to experience. And yeah. so it's easy to choose your best life. If you are able to see that path ahead of you and able to, kind of make it set in your mind and to declare that intention. Yeah, I love that. And and again, like that's one of the things that uh, my Arcturians are always sharing about, you know, all timelines exist. So which one do you want to be a part of and keep your focus, your attention, your energy on that timeline? Don't, nothing else matters, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, so beautiful. Well, um, 
in our short time remaining, is there anything else that you would love to share with the audience in terms of any just wise words? Or, I mean, we've hit on so many different topics, but anything that you If you're like? just starting out with spirituality, I highly recommend Dolores' book, Between Death and Life. Most people that are just starting to have their awakening, they have no idea where to even start. And that is hands down the best place to start. Dolores did such an amazing job just kind of organizing the most important things about death and afterlife into one book. And it's, it's a priceless book. It's my favorite book of all time, honestly. Okay. Well, that's, that's a big statement. Favorite of all yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dolores, she, she did perfection with that book. And she honestly covered all the bases. She really did. Okay. Excellent. Well, and how do people find you? I know you have a Facebook group, so if you want to mention that again, and what's your website? It's the Astral Exploration with Lara Saad, and we discuss everything about the astral dimensions and, and higher consciousness on that page. It's a lot of fun. Okay, and you have website. a lot of great conversations. <laughs> um, we call our website Higher Source Content, um, just as a as a joke, because we're channeling information from higher source. <laughs> so. Uh, there's information about my classes and uh, a little bit about my history on there if anybody's interested. Okay, well, Thank excellent. You for and, yeah, and so for anyone watching or listening, if you are interested in learning about how to do astral projection yourself, definitely check that those classes out. And um, I for okay, so just one last quick question for the students that you have taught so far. Since you said you have eight successful students. Have they shared with you any major aha moments of like why this was an incredible class and, and experience to have to be able to astral travel? Well, some people are astral projecting already and they don't realize it. Um, just one of the people that messaged me the other day said I, I had shivers and tingles all over my body. And the next thing you know, I feel like I'm, I'm flying and then I can't see anything. Everything is pitch dark. And one of the things that I teach my students is that you need to remove that darkness. You need to demand clarity. He was already astral projecting and he didn't know it. It's just because he couldn't see, he didn't realize he was already out of his body. That's why he had that floating sensation. So a lot of people, they do leave their bodies. They just don't know it. Okay. Okay. And, um, well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing your great wisdom. Thank you. And, Really enjoyed meeting you, talking to you, and um, I wish you the best with everything. And I look forward to continuing to see um, what you're doing out there in the world. <laughs> Likewise, and, thank you very much, Lisa. It was uh, a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. And so, for those of you watching or listening, thank you so much. Make sure if you're watching on the YouTube channel to subscribe to the channel, and um, I will see you next time on Connection to the Cosmos. Aloha. Take care. Bye, everyone.